the idea came from this really one particular experience I had uh, where we, you know, were waiting for like 30 minutes and, and all the customers are really upset and, and the staff were stressed as well because they, they weren't able to keep up with the orders. This is Michael Sheridan, Director of Sourcing and Shared Value at Intelligentsia Coffee, and you're listening to the Intelli Sourcing Sessions, conversations about coffee's origins and service of our mission, illuminating coffee. Normally, the conversations on this show are about coffee's origins, but today we have a conversation focused very much at the other end of the coffee supply chain on the marketplace. It's a telephone conversation I had recently with Henry Hugh, CEO and founder of Cafe X, a robotic cafe in San Francisco that has gotten rave reviews from tech lovers and created some concern in the coffee community about the future of baristas. Henry, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Hey, my pleasure. Um, there's so much I want to talk with you about, um, but first I guess I want to just understand a little bit about your relationship with coffee. Um, when did it start and how? Yeah, um, well, I've, I've always kind of had a lot of coffee <laughs> just because I enjoyed it, but uh, I, I didn't really think I'd be doing anything with coffee. But, you know, in my second year of college, when I was in my undergrad, I came up with this idea for, for Cafe X while having a very frustrating experience waiting in line at one of the, the bigger coffee chains. And so from there, I kind of started to learn as much as I can. And now it's it's like what I do. So Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about the, the moment or the act of ideation of Cafe X. Um, and it sounds like it was like so many great inspirations and invention born out of necessity or frustration at, at what you were getting. Can you... Um, Say a little bit more about that. You had this moment of frustration in a line in a coffee shop, which I think many of us can identify with. Uh, but where did it go from there? How did the idea evolve? I mean, the, the idea came from this really one particular experience I had at an, at an airport uh, where we you know, were waiting for like 30 minutes and, and all the customers are really upset and, and the staff were kind of very stressed as well because they, they weren't able to keep up with the orders. Um, but in general, I think for Cafe X, we're basically trying to, to, to give a more a consistent experience and better tasting coffee. Um, and then with the mobile ordering, um, you know, you, you basically you don't have to wait on site. So you wanted a better customer experience. Um, you wanted to reduce wait times. That must, that must have been a really awful experience that it made you want to go out and devote uh, a good chunk of your life and a lot of your mental and financial resources to creating a company. It must have been a really, really bad customer experience. Yeah, uh, it was pretty bad, but um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but basically, you know, while, while waiting, uh, made the observation that, you know, in this particular coffee chain, um, a, a lot of what the staff were doing was moving cups around and, you know, the way they made espressos, the way they seized milk, all of that was pretty much automated already. They were essentially put pushing buttons on machines. So that's that's kind of where the idea came from of, you know, if, if we could have a robot arm to, to move cups around and to automate the pressing of buttons, then the, the human labor can be really spent on the aspects of the experience that, that really make it great. You know, on the engineering side, you know, ma- making good software, making a good ordering experience and making, you know, a good pickup experience, you know, using good equipment to make good quality coffee. And then, of course, on, on the coffee side, you know, having staff that are that are really experts in coffee and are there to, to, to talk to customers and give them a good experience rather than kind of being trapped behind the counter and, and, and forced to work like a robot. Let's focus on 
on that big idea, you know, your observation that there wasn't a lot of value added by the people you saw in the coffee shop. There were, as you say, moving the cups around and pressing buttons, and those were functions that you felt could be automated to improve the customer experience. I wish I had the data point with me right now, but there was a big study that came out a few months ago talking about um, I'm going to get the number wrong probably by an order of magnitude, but I want to say hundreds of billions of dollars of inefficiencies and uh, lost value in the economy by the human performance of activities that can be automated. And I think um, any of us who have ever slogged through spreadsheets doing data entry has a necessary evil and taking time that could have been devoted to higher value, more value-added functions has, has understood how that can happen. You know, in the first conversation you and I had, you distinguished pretty clearly between companies like ours and the company that did not serve you well in the airport that day. Do you still see a difference between, not all coffee shops are created equal, you see a difference between that coffee shop and coffee shops like ours? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why when we were thinking about what type of coffee to serve with Cafe X, it was kind of a no-brainer to pick uh, roasters like Intelligentsia because the Basically, the, the quality of the ingredients is, is just much better. Um, and also on the training side, you know, machines need to be programmed. They, they don't need to just be programmed once. They need to be continuously refined or, or updated. And so, you know, instead of, you know, training baristas, uh, and we've worked with, with your team before, they basically come on site and, and uh, you know, adjust the settings on the machine, train our team on, on what kind of flavor notes and what kind of extraction profile we should be expecting and then getting the recipe right. And, you know, now we do that. Now we now we try to do that as often as possible. But I think we're you know, we're, we're shooting to get to a point where we we basically do that every single day with our team once once they're trained. Yeah, that's great. So as I was saying, I reached out to some colleagues who are baristas um, and asked mm-hmm. them whether they had questions for you based on your model because it's one we've discussed here um, at Intelligentsia. Um, the store manager at our Monadnock coffee bar here in Chicago, mm-hmm. Jacob Casella, asked that exact question. How do you, with a robot barista, how do you dial in? How do you make adjustments? How do you restock? There are a lot of tests that seem to be done only by human intervention, and it sounds like uh, there are a lot of roles for coffee professionals in your model. Yeah, absolutely. There definitely is. So, so far, we've only launched our, our first machine in, in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, we've tried to do everything possible to, to, to make sure that the coffee tastes good and, and um, you know, it's served the way the, the roaster intended. Just kind of looking at our customer feedback, uh, that's proven to be pretty true. I mean, the, the Yelp reviews are great. The Google reviews are great. And people can um, can rate rate their order in, in the app when they order from our app. Um, all the reviews have been have been really good, and people have been really surprised with with how good the coffee tastes. You know, at, at this point, where we, we we've been, I think, doing a pretty good job with that. Um, but of course, we're we're always thinking about ways to improve that. Like I said, you know, doing these dialing in sessions more more often, probably at least once a day, um, right. something where we, where we want to get to. Um, and then also just working on different uh, different ways to for the software to to work mm-hmm. that will again give us more flexibility to adjust recipes on the fly. As an example, the way we set up all the recipes now in, in each coffee machine is kind of each drink is its own recipe. You know, a cappuccino and a latte are two separate recipes. When we need to order, when we need to make one of those, we'll, we'll you know the software will request the coffee machine to make one of those. Um, but we're actually changing to a system where we split all the different components of a drink, and then that will basically give us the ability to adjust the espresso 
and then that espresso adjustment will be applied to all the drinks that use that espresso rather than kind of going through and changing, you know, 30 recipes one at a time. Um, so that's kind of like a limiting factor for why we can't, you know, always change recipes right now. But when we get to that update with the software, we'll be able to, to, to do kind of more fine-tuning throughout the day. Right. So that, that's a fairly intensive and fairly hands-on role for a human being, to mm-hmm. dialing in the recipe initially and then doing daily adjustments. Um, yeah. it, it sounds like they're, I guess I would ask you, not having made it to your flagship in San Francisco, to walk me through the experience. I walk into the cafe. I've seen pictures of it, of course. Um, it sounds like there's sort of a human uh, curator there um, who will accompany me through the experience if I if I want human interaction. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. So uh, we always have a, um, a staff on site. They're called product specialists. They know how to fix kind of basic issues with the machine. They can clear errors. They're responsible for daily cleaning, servicing, refilling, taking out the waste, you know, these kind of things with, with the machine. But also they are trained in, um, you know, all the coffee that we serve, what the flavor profiles are. Uh, they can make recommendations to customers. If customers don't know what they want, we're happy to order, you know, one of each espresso and let them taste and, and decide. And so I think, um, you know, by, by putting our, our, our labor kind of right beside the customer versus behind a counter, we're able to give a, a bit of a different experience. I guess the idea is it's kind of a bit more like doing like a wine tasting. So, you know, the, the, the person helping you taste wine is not making the wine. They're, they're pouring it and describing it and, and helping you kind of taste the different flavors. And so that, that's kind of what we try to do with the product specialist. Is there something intentional about that nomenclature product specialist as opposed to barista because a lot of what you describe are functions that we ask our baristas to mm-hmm. play, other roles rather that we ask our baristas to play in our coffee bars. They're um, helping curate the experience, delivering information about the coffees, about the flavor profiles, helping customers who may not be sure what their preferences are to identify the right coffee drink for them. Um, and of course, they're doing all of this while they're actually preparing the drinks and you've outsourced that function to the to the machine, but you don't call them baristas. Is that intentional? I, I don't know. I, we, we just decided not to. Not to <laughs> I mean, we, we, we could. <laughs> we, um, I think we're pretty flexible there. I mean, we just have our first location. We have a, a really awesome team of five product specialists right now. Actually, a bunch of people on our operations team, um, the, the, like our, our area manager and our community manager, they all started as product specialists and now um, you know do other roles with the company. So, yeah, it's pretty flexible. <laughs> For now, we just thought product specialist is a cool name because they're they're kind of an expert in in the overall product, which 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 includes the coffee and obviously the the, the machine as well, and being able to do basic technical support and being able to 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 operate and service the machine, and of course answer customer questions about the machine. And so uh, we kind of I guess that's why we would call it call it product specialist because we, we you know it's I guess there's multiple products that. Um, that a customer experiences. Right, yeah. And how have you found so far? When did you open? So we opened on January 30th uh, this year. And the reviews, uh, you've gotten plenty of attention online and uh, in the media, and it sounds like the reviews have been uh, quite favorable. What do people want to know in the coffee shop, and is it different from what people might want to know in a coffee bar like ours? There's the novelty of the machine. Is that the primary attraction, or do you find people also asking plenty of product questions about the coffees 
as they would in a more conventional format? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we, I think we get a, a pretty decent balance in terms of questions. I think most people have more than one question um, if they have questions. So generally, it's, it's you know kind of one one question about the machine and, and kind of why why it's you know why why we, why we made it. Yeah, actually, we we get a lot of customers who who recognize the, the roasters, um, which is obviously great and intentional. So when people you know come up to the machine, they'll be they'll see an intelligentsia there. If they're an intelligentsia fan, they'll be very happy and they'll immediately pick that. But uh, for people who, who who aren't too sure, you know, they generally just ask us like a question, like I kind of want a, a lighter coffee or or a darker coffee. Yeah, just like kind of basic questions. I had a, a former colleague who would often ask when we would develop new ideas or proposals, he would ask, what's the big idea? How, how would you um, express the big idea behind your proposal? And I'm wondering how you would describe the big idea behind Cafe X. In general, the, the goal of, of Cafe X is to increase productivity in food service. And so that that's that's kind of the overall goal. And so, you know, the products that we develop and the way that we grow the company will be to achieve that goal. In terms of coffee, you know, essentially what we try to do is, is just like, you know, the best possible coffee you can get. Uh, you can get that really consistently and you can just show up and it'll be ready for you. We're, we're basically working on expanding to more locations um, and, uh, and continuing to refine that model. So the, the mission is really focused on productivity and food service, but it sounds like there's a strong investment in quality. You've partnered with, uh, with roasters who've developed reputations for really obsessive focus on quality. And I guess I'm, I'm still, when I, when I reached out to colleagues to see if anybody had questions for you, they really tended to focus on, there were two categories of questions. One was really around mm-hmm. the idea of product quality. How do you do quality assurance when you don't have a, we rely so much on the discretion and, and expertise of our barista teams, um, dialing the coffees to make uh, mid-course adjustments when necessary. Um, and those are all things rooted in, in human judgment. Um, and it sounds like you've addressed that through, you know, you have these product specialists who are um, effectively doing the work of baristas in, in terms of dialing in uh, on a daily basis uh, across your different recipes on the menu. But there was really the, there, there, so there's that question. And then the other question is really about this idea of, for us, um, our, our commitment to quality and excellence is really focused on, on individuals and um, I shared with you earlier today a quotation that we um, have here in the building. It comes from a, a coffee mill in Costa Rica. It was on the wall of the mill of one of our partners, <clears throat> a cooperative called Copedota, and it was in an area of the mill uh, that was operated by a single person. Um, and it was it's an area uh, where there are dryers, uh, big wood and uh, they're big dryers of green coffee that are powered by um, mostly by parchment that's uh, taken off the coffee during the hulling process. Uh, and there are a lot of big machines, and it looks like the kind of area that would be operated by a horde of people. And there was one guy operating it, and he had hand-lettered this sign. There are machines that can do the work of 50 men, but there's no machine that can do the work of one extraordinary person. And that was a question that was posed by a retail ship leader and a barista competitor, Don Lawrence. Um, he, his, he just wondered whether that idea that is so central to what we do, and I think is something that resonates with a lot of the roasters on the menu, is that compatible with the Cafe X model? 
Well, that totally makes sense. I think with Cafe X, where uh, we're, you know, in addition to being a, a a cafe, we also have a lot of focus on on engineering. Basically, the the idea of of, of, a, of a machine not being able to do something extraordinary is you know if you ask an, if you ask a product person who, who builds products or or or, uh, or an engineer generally I think the re- the response should be you know well it's our job to make sure that that machine can in fact do do what the extraordinary person can do but in order to do that you need you know the great engineers um, and, and product designers but you also need that extraordinary person to help you to, to build that machine and so that's why you know with cafe X we, we, we try to really be um, you know, be be in close contact with with our roasters, uh, with people who provide us coffee, because it, I think it's a, it's a very collaborative process to get to that point. Yeah, that that's kind of what our what our engineering is is is, is focused on. Yeah, I think um, I want to ask about the engineering process, but I'm afraid I don't have the vocabulary mm-hmm. to do it. Um, can you describe? You had this frustrating cafe experience. You mm-hmm. thought to yourself, "There's got to be a better way." And you went through this process of ideation that turned a moment of frustration into an act of creation. Um, and then I wonder if you can describe how much time between that original idea and yeah. the first prototype of the machine, how much time expired and what was the process? How did you turn that idea into, into a project, or a real project? Who did you approach? Describe the process uh, by which you turned that idea into a thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, it was my second year of, of undergrad, and I was at Babson in Massachusetts. You know, I wanted to, to build this thing. Came up with some some basic concepts. Uh, did like a few very simple CAD models, um, and then did some mock-ups for the app. And then, you know, was trying to figure out how to build this thing. One of the biggest bottlenecks at the beginning was finding a coffee machine company to work with um, because there's, there's no coffee machine, you know, not, obviously not <laughs> not making any coffee. And so we, we you know, we talked to, to, to several different coffee machine companies um, and we ended up working with a German company called WMS. So they're the biggest commercial fully automatic coffee machine company in the world. Um, and they, they don't have too big of a brand presence in the U.S. And I think in the U.S. it's mostly... Their sister company called Sharer um, that that's in the market. So we we basically you know have been working with them for about two years with integrating their coffee machine into into our system. And before we even bothered to like do any real engineering, the the, the first question was, can this machine make really good tasting coffee? You know, so we we spent several months kind of just playing around with it and testing it, um, at talking to baristas, talking to cafe owners. Um, and then talking to just general normal coffee drinkers, seeing if they were happy with the with the quality. The way that we used the machine, or we basically learned that the way that we have to set recipes and, and do adjustments on the machine is very different from how they would typically be used in their normal setting. So in the past, you know, automatic machines are generally used in like airport lounges and hotels. And yeah, you know, if you if you if you <laughs> if you press the espresso button, you'll get this kind of like watery black liquidy thing that's supposed to resemble an espresso with like seven, eight grams of coffee. So you know, immediately we, we, we turned it up to, to the maximum size of the brewing unit, um, which was 19 grams. And then we you know, put put a bunch of time into adjusting the settings and we actually got really good coffee or espresso. And so, yeah, we, we basically like we didn't want to do anything until it was proven that we could find a coffee machine company that would partner with us on the engineering side 
and, and then that machine can also make really good coffee. So once that was determined, um, then we started to uh, team up with software engineers, mechanical engineers. Um, we you know, did, did the CAD models. We built the software for all the mobile apps, the server, the ordering system, basically. Um, and then, of course, the software for the machine as well, the software that integrates all the different parts together, you know, like all the cost machines, robots, sensors, motors, all these different things that, that move and, and, and help serve coffee to people. And then uh, we, um, we, uh, we had a factory in China basically build our first few machines. We, we tried to build, I tried to build it in the U.S. initially. It was, it was like absurdly expensive, so it was not feasible because we did not have a lot of money. So we, so we did it in China, and uh, I was very lucky to, to actually just partner with my uh, neighbor in Hong Kong when, when I was growing up in Hong Kong. Sheet metal manufacturing happened to be his dad's business. So that, that really helped us kind of get the first few prototypes made. And, you know, the one that's in San Francisco now at Netreon is one of those first prototypes. Uh, a really important thing about starting a company or, or trying to build a new product is um, to be able to show that product or show something when you're trying to describe your idea rather than just like writing long pages of, of business plans. I think just showing like a picture or a few mock-ups is, is much more useful than giving somebody a, you know, a 10 page paper and read my business plan. And so, you know, I never really <laughs> put the time into writing those many pages of business plan, but rather, you know, put that time into making you know, computer models and, and, and uh, renders or mock-ups of, of our software. And who, can you talk about your investors who ultimately took the plunge and was convinced by your renderings and your, your prototypes? Um, well, initially, you know, we, we were in Hong Kong, so a lot of the, um, the, the early uh, financing came from, from friends and family. It's, it's pretty hard to, to raise money from institutional investors or, or VCs uh, in, in Hong Kong. So we, we basically built those first few prototypes with, with uh, funds that we raised from, from friends and family. Then, um, uh, you know, once we built those machines, we, we brought them over to the U.S., to San Francisco. We, um, I, I, essentially, I cold emailed a really famous angel investor called Jason Calacanis. He's, uh, I believe, the third or the fourth investor in Uber. Yeah, and, and he has a podcast that I used to listen to when I was in, in college. So he was like the the angel investor in Silicon Valley that I knew about. So I just emailed him, sent him a video, sent him some pictures, and I, I sent him the, a video of the actual machine because um, we had already built it by then. So then, um, yeah, he thought it was a joke initially, but then he realized <laughs> it was a fake. <laughs> it's hilarious. The first a joke as an joke. idea, or uh, he thought it was actually a practical joke. No, he thought it was like a fake, like computer model or something. When I sent him a video, and it was the real thing. So, um, yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> I cold emailed this person <laughs> who who I've been following for for a while, and and no no you know Noah's a great angel investor. And then a few minutes later, I get a response. First of all, the response is unexpected, and then <laughs> the response is like one line: "Is this a joke?" Question mark. Um, <laughs> So like, well, what do I do now? <laughs> so I sent him a picture of like us putting it together. Um, so I think that proved that it was not fake. And uh, and then basically he invested. Um, we we demoed the machines um, at his conference called the Launch Festival. It's it's a huge startup conference that happens in San Francisco every year with fifteen thousand people. There was like a competition at that event. We won the 
the competition and then we raised over three million dollars from um from, from other VCs like Social Capital and Coastal Ventures. And then yeah, after that we've just been we, we, we moved a lot of the company to to San Francisco and uh we launched, you know, the location in San Francisco and then we're basically growing now the team in San Francisco for operations and engineering and also manufacturing because we're we're developing yeah, we're building up a team now to basically build all our machines in-house in San Francisco, um, which seems weird and, and, and expensive, but we, we, we figured out we, we figured out a way to make it work. So yeah, that, that's kind of <laughs> the the timeline. That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations. You, in your engineering, um, you've got one location with plans to expand. What did you get right with the engineering, and what are the Big improvements you look to introduce to future iterations of the technology. Well, I think the way that we designed the, the system is so that there's redundancy built in. You know, with prototypes, things go wrong. So I think <laughs> the the expectation with you know a, a prototype is that it's going to break and then we're going to not be able to serve customers. People are going to have a bad experience. Um, and so to to try to prevent that from happening, we took the approach of, of building in redundancy into the machine um, and building in logic into the software so that it can try to recover from errors. So just as an example, we have, you know we have two cup dispenser units in there because we know that's a, likely a point of failure. We have two coffee machines. We have three delivery bays for people to pick up their orders. And so if, you know, if, if there's a, if there's an issue with any one of those really critical parts, we have another one. <laughs> and so since we've launched our prototype in San Francisco, you know, we've, we've really had no major issues. Like there, there's never been a day where <laughs> we're like, sorry, we're closed. It's broken. <laughs> it's like, that's never happened. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, that basically just, you know, I think proves that the, the, the way the machine is designed and also the the quality of the software that it's running on is, is pretty good. Awesome. Well, I am grateful for your time, uh, for sharing your story with us, and I'm really looking forward to being with you. So listeners know we're about a week out from our ninth annual Extraordinary Coffee Workshop. This is our annual supply chain gathering and the reunion of the Intelligentsia Direct Trade family. It usually happens every year at a, at a coffee origin, and we spend our time exploring that origin and its contributions to coffee and coffee agronomy and processing uh, and experience that together with our entire supply chain. This year we'll hold it in San Francisco where we'll explore some of the things that make San Francisco great, including food, wine, and technology. We will be taking a field trip to the Cafe X flagship at Metreon, uh with Henry and his team. And uh, Henry has graciously agreed to make it Intelligentsia Week at Cafe X, and all four of the menu items uh, will be from Intelligentsia. That's a year-round espresso, a seasonal espresso blend, a single-origin espresso, and a decaf espresso. So I'm delighted to see the technology. I'm excited to meet you in person and uh, really just uh, very, very excited to be able to bring growers in our supply chain who produce the coffees uh, that they'll taste on your robotic barista machine. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it, and I would encourage anybody listening to this within driving distance of San Francisco to come out next week for Cafe X Intelligentsia Week. And if you're there on Tuesday, you'll be able to uh, drink the coffees together with members of our supply chain. So 
Uh, thanks so much, Henry, for the, for the conversation uh, and for the collaboration. I look forward to seeing you next week in San Francisco. Thank you. Uh, super excited about that next week. That was my call with Henry Hugh of Cafe X. During the call, I mentioned three letters, ECW. That's our annual direct trade supply chain gathering. Usually it's held in a coffee growing country. And we spend the time together with supply chain partners from 14 countries around the world exploring the local coffee culture. As we're hosting the event this year in San Francisco, that exploration is focused not on coffee, but on food, wine, and technology. Our conversation with Henry is in connection with a visit we'll make to Cafe X next week. To mark the occasion, Henry has declared next week, September 25th to September 29th, Intelligentsia Week, when all the items on the Cafe X menu will be Intelli Espressos, a single origin espresso, a seasonal blend, a year-round blend, and a decaf. Thanks again, Henry, for the conversation. This program was edited and produced by Andy Atkinson. 